podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Preview Show. Hello and welcome to 1874. It's time for a match preview show as Villa travel to Stamford Bridge on Sunday. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Jacob Tanswell, or Jacob Transwell, as he was called in last week's description because Adam spelled his name wrong. Jacob, back from Poland, probably feeling it a little bit, I imagine, with all the, the early flights. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, um, not really slept since Tuesday, um, but it's been great. Like I had to take two flights on the way to Poland, so that was a little bit of a hassle. But overall, good experience. It was good to see Villa back in in Europe. Uh, it's just a shame that things didn't go their way actually on the pitch. Yeah, we won't dwell on it too much because I did a solo show straight after the game, dwelling on it a little bit too much, <laughs> perhaps. But I read your article yesterday. I thought it gave a, a really good flavour about what, what happened and, and what it was like uh, over there. Just Can you just sum up your experience a little bit for the Villa fans who aren't subscribed to The Athletic? And if you're not subscribed to The Athletic and you can, please do. Uh, yeah, it was, it was different to, to the typical uh, Premier League preparations. There was a lot more people, 24 30 hours before for kickoff, it felt like a big occasion for Legia. You could see it around the stadium, you could see it inside the stadium, they were preparing meticulously. And the the manager as well, he was very uh, very t- chatty, very talkative. I think even after the, the press conference, which took about three times longer than it should do because he was the translator was translated into three or four different languages, which can get a bit tiresome. Uh, the manager came over to the English pack having not spoken a word of English in the press conference and and talked just to us and at us for about 10-15 minutes without us having to ask a question. I think he was uh, really wanted to get across the David V. Goliath feeling and, and that was there throughout throughout the evening really. You, the ultras uh, in, in the leg end were, were ridiculous, loudest atmosphere I've ever heard and it's just a shame that Villa couldn't get to grips with it really and, and they were quite naive but yeah it was a, it was a good experience. I think Villa um, Villa fans enjoyed it. Some of them obviously at the old town, lots of singing. Uh, Matty Cash enjoyed it before the game, uh, but yeah, after the game, it was it was a sour taste. Yeah, I, I said in the in the show after the game, the full time show, that I think it's important that Villa try and kind of keep Europe and the Premier League separate. So so far this season, actually, Villa have tended to win a game and then and then lose a game. But with this, it's important to not let Europe bleed into the Premier League because it was a, it was you know half the team was was changed virtually. So actually, in terms of Premier League, they won their last game. So try and get back to backs now and carry a bit of momentum against. You know, injury hit Chelsea side. It sounds stupid for a team that spent a billion pounds in twelve months, but they are struggling for players at, at the moment. You know, this is a real good opportunity to go to Stamford Bridge and carry on the form of last week in the Premier League and get another three points. And that's how you move up the league in the Premier League back to backs. Even Unai Emery said that Europe is completely different to the Premier League. The, the atmosphere, the, the flying, everything else that comes with it is completely, completely at odds to what you to expect in the Premier League. So really, Villa should be back more in, in in home comforts, for want of a better phrase, and to to go back onto the the Premier League form from you know and take the momentum from the Crystal Palace comeback. We can forget about you know the game to an extent. You've got to probably park it until the next Europa League game or or the, or Conference League game, and, and then. Obviously, the cup game next Wednesday against Everton, where there'll be a few more changes, like there was against Legia. Uh, but like you say, 
you saw Chelsea's bench last week against Bournemouth. You think how how weak that is. There's not really many game changers on it. And if you see Villas, uh, obviously there's a few doubts about their squad depth this week, but they're probably going to have a stronger bench. So, and especially after last year's result, they can go there full confidence and and really try and capitalise on on Chelsea's vulnerability. Really. Yeah, I mean, we didn't think anyone would be in the chat at this time of the morning. But good morning to AVFC, Stato, Severo, Adam Wright and Soupy Mark, who are talking in the chat early doors. There's actually a question for you, Jacob, from Adam, saying yesterday's pre-match presser was very short to what they usually are. Will that be the norm post-European games? Well, I, I didn't realise that. Was it Was it a short press conference? <laughs> Probably will be. We I, None of us were there because we were all in the air, all the uh, journalists. We, we all flew back in the same flight. So that it happened with Premier League production. So they obviously didn't go to a leggy again. They probably just came into body more for 10 15 minutes asked Unai you know I think it's four or five questions and and you know recycle the quotes that way because you know there's just gonna be so many press conferences that it's just logistically just impossible to speak to Unai four or five times a week if all the games happen and you know we only spoke to him you know 10 o'clock the night before so I'm not really sure what more we could have asked but um yeah, it's just to look forward to the preview, abide by Premier rules. And uh, yeah, it, it wasn't really a press conference. It was just they had to get something out. Just answer, answer a few questions. Be happy says it's nice to wake up to a V podcast. I presume V stands for, stands for Villa and not Vile <laughs> or anything or anything like that. I've got to say, not not nice to wake up for a podcast for me because I'm not very good at getting up in the morning at weekends and I feel very, very tired still. Let's talk a bit more about the game then and... Villa away from home so far this season, and you maybe I could include the European game on Thursday in this, or I could I could exclude it. But conceding early, bad habit at the moment away from home. They've been one 0 down in the first five ten minutes of eighty percent of their away games so far this season. So they need to cut that out, don't they? Because they're giving themselves a mountain to climb. And actually, when they go ahead, they tend to win the game. It affects the way they play, don't they? Because if Emery wants the centre backs to be patient with the ball, keep the ball around their back, and try and tease opposition out out to press, they probably get more success when they're either you know level or a goal ahead, because the other team will want the ball naturally more. Where if Chelsea go a goal ahead, they won't really mind if Paul Torres or Esri Connors has got the ball at the back and they've put their studs on the ball. So I think it really changed the dynamic that way as well. And you know, Villa's the whole the whole idea of what Emery wants, especially this season, is, is control and. You know, a, a, Going to goal down early, the atmosphere gets up. You know, the players, decision makers, starts to be affected. Loss of composure. You saw it against Newcastle as well, although they equalised quite quickly. They just never felt they had that control, uh, and it was it was the same, you know, to some extent against Legia. So they need to go there. They need to be just stable to start off with. They need to make sure their back four needs to be robust early on they need to make sure that there's a communication there especially if they're going to continue this high line uh, and that's something that you probably have to look at constant now as well, after his five-year deal uh being the leader at the back you know he's got to step up and he's got to make sure that he organizes you know a left side especially with you know Powell and potentially Lucas Digne that's you know a little bit weak in some in some areas yeah it's some people, I've seen some people say, as I'm not saying I necessarily agree with it because I don't think I do, but do you think that team is... Because the Henry's got such an emphasis on control. When we go 1-0 down, have the game plan then that isn't right? Like, I'm not saying plan B because I don't, I don't believe in all, all that stuff, but the game plan is suited to a team that's level or is ahead and maybe not suited to being behind. Do you think there's anything in that? I think there is. I think it, it is all about just slowly probably growing into the game, getting stronger. And if they have an early setback, it's going to it's going to you know, cause a few issues. Because as I said, 
game plans about patience and sometimes console or the center back will have loads needs to have, take loads of touches just to make sure the pitch can open up but if you're one nil down frustration happens you know, within the players within the fans you want to equalize really quickly you need to get the goal back uh, and it's and it's more difficult so if they can just grow into the game then they can just keep their patience and it'll be the onus will be on Chelsea to come out to try and press and you know to get the get the momentum early into the game especially in front of home support yeah there'll be some not selection headaches but I get you know he's going to change the team back to the kind of team that we saw against Crystal Palace in certain quarters I think it's going to be mooted that John Duran should start over Ollie Watkins again I don't agree with that but there's going to be certain people that, that say he scored two Premier League goals so far this season Ollie, Ollie Watkins hasn't what have you made of, of Ollie Watkins so far this season because for me even though he hasn't been putting the ball in the back of the net in the Premier League he's pivotal to the way Villa, Villa want to play yeah, yeah. You should, I think the best illustration is probably the Burnley, uh, Burnley games. Matty Cash's second goal, mm. where if they're going to play like they they do in terms of the build up, sometimes the ball has to go into the striker's feet and it's got to make it stick. And then you know McGinn or DRB either side of him will have to link up, and that's where Watkins, you know, he's been brilliant really, and he's he's been a bit underrated this season. He's not, you know, his his finishes have been a bit telegraphed, not been. Been a little bit wasteful, but in terms of what he does in between the lines, he can drop deep, he can stretch to play. He opens up space for everyone else. He's got a couple of assists this season, and don't forget, although it's against Hibs, you know he did show that he has got that roof of streak still uh, and has had it this season in, with that hat trick. So, yeah, he's he's crucial, and I think Duran's the perfect substitute to come on because yes. yeah. last twenty minutes space is going to open up. There's more more break or more ch- chances on transition. You know, Duran his leap physical leaps a joke. He, he's great at attacking open spaces. He's so direct. So I think you know having that balance is probably the right one. Yeah, Bradley Cook says you'd notice him not being there tenfold. And Danny Ban says Watkins still has four assists this season, including winning yeah. penalties. So you know he's still making an impact yeah. on the game. It's not like he's got no goal involvement, so he's not involved in the in the goals at all. He's heavily, you know, Villa. What Villa do good is still heavily based around him. And like you say, with Duran, yes, he scored two Premier League goals off the bench. So people automatically then say he's pushing for a start. But I always think if you're scoring two goals off the bench, that means that you're good coming off the bench. That's a, a good thing mm. to have. Like you, You'd lose that. So I think keep it as it, as it is. They will be. But the longer Watkins goes without scoring in the Premier League, people will start saying, oh, Durant should be playing because he, he knows where the, where the net is. He scored, scored a couple of times. But I do think Sunday, Stamford Bridge, away at these teams, kind of a Watkins game. I always think he shows up in these games generally. Yeah, and you think Villa, they're quite good on transition and you just think Chelsea centre-halves, the way they leave space in between them, especially on the counter, you think well, that's kind of Watkins' game. You saw that this time last year when they played Chelsea away. He was excellent in that game. So, uh, you know, it's perfect for him. And with John Durant, he's only 19. He's got such a long way to go this season as well. I think just bedding them in, uh, easing them in and, and you know, giving Emery more chance to work with him and refine him. I think that's the perfect way to go because Watkins is, is ready made. He's ready to go. And, you know, he just needs a goal, doesn't he? But he's, he's having, I think he's having three, three and a half shots a game. So you'd like to think that eventually his luck will turn. And as soon as he gets one, hopefully he'll go on a roll. Yeah, David Styles has said, really likes the piece in The Athletic showing how Villa are capitalising from cutbacks, something I think we could really do damage against Chelsea with. That has been a staple of Villa under Unai mm-hmm. Emery, the, the cutbacks. Was that, was that, was that yours, Jacob? That, that your article? No, that, that was Armoured yeah, Armoured Wallet, the okay. tactical writer at The Athletic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I read that as well, but I can't remember. I had in my head it was you for, for, for some reason. I know, <laughs> you, like, I know you like your tactical pieces. I know, I, I know that's, your, that's your game. 
Gareth Thomas has donated £4.99 in the Super Chat, so that pays Adam Bates' Villa Villa weekly wage for us. Nearly said the Villa View, then very, very close. He's asked, do we start Moreno and JJ on the left, or is that a risk with both being out for, for, for the past month? It, it was great to see Ramsey back on the pitch. We've seen Moreno on the bench twice, but haven't seen him on, on the pitch. I'm of the opinion that those two coming in when they do, he's going to completely transform Villa and... You know, get it kind of back to the team that that Villa had last season that did so well. Plus the RB, I think, will be a really good team at, at, at that point. Do you think either of them will start this game, Jacob? I would have said Alex Moreno, but I thought he might have featured on on, thir- on Thursday. Got to get a few minutes under his belt, and you know, I think it'd be a risk if he comes straight in, considering he's not played you know since May. Jacob Ramsey, I th- actually I went the other way. I was quite surprised he got any minutes at all. He, was, he actually came into the team because um, he's only started training you know, less than a week before that. Uh, I, th- I still think it'll be a risk to start him. You probably look at the Everton game, the cup game next week, but you think that's perfect to start both of them. Yeah, uh, and you probably you know ha- have to give you know Luca Dini probably one more game um, until you have to rotate him. Uh, so I think that's probably the the right balance to go. Zaniolo I thought was really quite sharp early on against Legia, so. You know he's probably in contention to start, and then as always, you can just bring on Jacob Ramsey, you know, a little bit earlier this time, and, and give him more more of an opportunity, and you know, hopefully, he can bring that energy as well. I mean, he's, I always think he's not really an away player, but I've got a feeling Bailey might come back in for, for, for this one. Someone who's a bit more like a bit more okay with how Villa defend in in, in away games. Perhaps perhaps you'll see Bailey over over Zaniolo, yeah. but I think you could probably pick nine or ten of the team for, for Villa on Sunday. Let's talk about our opposition then. Chelsea got injury problems, which is unbelievable considering the, the, the money that, that they've spent. But I watched them against Bournemouth last Sunday and honestly, I've, it's dangerous for me to say, but I'm still going to say, I've never seen a team not know where the goal is so much. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. You just think they've got to click at some point, haven't they? But this has happened last year. Graham Potter lost his job because, because they just couldn't finish. And you look at that team, they're all very... Nice players, they're very technical, but I don't know if they've got that directness, like that killer instinct. It's not a team, is it? Which it's never going to be at this point, anyway. No, I think some to some extent they've they've been okay in terms of their build of that. They look they look alright, you know, playing out for the bat. They look quite functional, but then they get into that final third. And Sterling, if he's not having a good game, then you know they haven't got really anything else. Nicholas Jackson. It was, it's funny because Bournemouth and Salampton thought they were going to sign him in January. Uh, no one else really wanted him. And then he scores a few goals for Villarreal and he's now Chelsea's you know, number nine. So, it, yeah, the whole the whole makeup of the team looks a little bit odd, but you just think at some point they're going to click, just hopefully not this Sunday. Yeah, Jackson, obviously a lot of good reports about him. I've watched him two or three times this, this season for, for Chelsea. He makes great runs, but he is very, very raw, like, like you say. So that's kind of their out ball, that's 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 their outlet. But you talk about Watkins being so good at holding on to the ball and holding the ball up, that's probably the kind of facets of the game that Jackson doesn't have at this point. Mm. Yeah, he's, he's good at running the channels. And look, my only concern is you probably say him in a foot race against Pau Torres in that mm. right now, in that channel, you think maybe there's, there's the opportunities. And I think what Pochettino wants to do, incidentally, is he wants that type of like, Cut back crosses. That's how they want to attack because he's not going. He's not got this big out and out number nine who's just going to get in the box, you know, win headers and stuff. So it's got to be quite neat and tidy in and around the box. And you know, Paul Torres is get, does get in a foot race with with Jackson. That could be an issue. But I don't see Villa 
having to be scared. I think they can go there, try and impose themselves on the game and, and enforce that higher line. Hopefully they can get it right this time. And if they can, they can you know, bay on Chelsea nerves because Stamford Bridge for the last year has been quite a you know, hostile place to go for the home team. You say the words high line though, and I just think <laughs> last, last season, and I said this on, on the Thursday show, Villa were very diligent away from home. They sometimes basically play with a five or a six at the back and the wide player would drop in. Ramsey and McGinn were both very good at doing that. They are a bit more compact. They'd happily see a game be nil-nil at half-time and then knowing that they'd score in the second half and win the game one-nil or two-nil. We have seen the high line in every game so far and we've, we've been caught out. You know, We just talk about Nicholas Jackson being raw, not great at holding the ball up. But the one thing he is good at is... Getting beyond a beyond a high line potentially. So, do you think we might see that you you've just kind of referenced that Villa will play with a high line? Do you think that's just the way it's going to be this season, and eventually they'll start to click and get it right? Because for for me, I'd like to see us in some games go back to the way we defended away from home in sec in first half of games last season. No, he, Emery will stick with it. Uh, he did allude to in this you know, short and pre-match press conference yesterday a tactical accident he made uh, against Legia. So whether that involves defensive structure, uh, I don't know. But yeah, the only the time they go back into that back five is like Leon Bailey does it now, doesn't he? Uh, goes into that right back. I can't say I've noticed cross. it this season. In all honesty, I noticed it loads last season. I haven't really noticed it this season at any point. No, funny enough, I, actually, I noticed it against Legia in the second half when they couldn't get the ball and they. I think the, I think the trigger is I, I've looked at I looked at it last season. The trigger is oh, if the opposition team makes five or six passes and Villa can't press and win the ball back, and and they just you know have comfortable possession of position. That's when Leon Bailey or whoever the winger is drops back in, and then they go into this five-three-two or whatever. I like to see that a little bit more. I don't think you have to always have that high line, and if you do have that high line, having that extra defender in back five could potentially help. Um, but I just think they just need to make sure that they're quite clever early on. If they're going to be, have this high line and Jackson's going to keep running, it's, it's going to you know, change the momentum. So they have to pick their pockets, I guess, when when to really enforce that high line and, and really press. Yeah, David Styles is talking about the high line without Mings being pr- pretty risky. And I, I would go along with that because he was, when we yeah. did play in the high line, him and Concer are both quick and it, and it worked because they're, they're both quick and they've played so many games together. I really like the look of certain things with Paul Torres. I did think he was brilliant against against Palace last week, but you're asking a lot of him in a in a high line, in, in my opinion, because he doesn't have that that recovery pace and he hasn't been here that long. And the plan would never have been for him to be playing centre back at this at this point of the season. Still, even now, I don't think I still think he would have been playing left back. So I just think, yeah. especially against Chelsea, against Sterling and Jackson, they probably want you to play that high line. Yeah, but you you have to you know go with Unai Emery's judgment because he's seen you know Paul Torres better than anyone. Yeah, uh, he's course. seen him. He, he, he see that he can't. He, you know, he thinks he can probably do it. You know, uh, he, he's got that. He's got that ability to step forward, try and catch them offside. I think the difficulty is probably the communication between Conte, Torres, the fullbacks in terms of making sure they're all in sync, recognizing the triggers of when to squeeze up, when to drop, when to hold. And you see Tyrone Minks, whenever Villa caught someone offside, he was celebrating it, even though he's, he, you know, he, he, he had it with pride that the amount of offsides they had. And you saw that in pre season as well. I, I was at the games at the Walsall. And he was so loud. He was getting people up. It was just by a yard or so, but it made all the difference. Where mm. Paul Torres coming to a new country, new atmospheres, you know, his me- mental state might just be on the game, the ball, rather than you know looking at what type of line he's in. So all these things can make a difference, especially when the, the difference between success and failure in employing that game plan is just so fine, isn't it? Yeah, maybe Moreno coming back in when he does as well will help because he's you know yeah. evidently quicker. 
than, than Luca Dean, and he does have that that recovery pace. Severo's just asking a, a question, Jacob, about I mean we get asked this every week with Greg as well about Watkins's contract. What's what's your knowledge on on that situation? Because he's been linked with other clubs apparently. I haven't seen that, but apparently he's been linked with with other clubs. Yeah, I think there was yeah reports of Chelsea and, and Liverpool looking at him, but I'm not sure how true that is. But in, after the concert deal, Watkins is the next on the agenda. They they have to. Well, he was ahead in the more. agenda, wasn't he? Because that's been yeah, there a he while. Was. He's been there throughout, and I think after Conta signing a guy that's been there for a while, similar to Watkins, he he is the next one. You know, he has to get that pay rise that's you know in accordance to his value to the to the team, uh, and he's you know he's got to sign it soon because the longer it goes, the more questions there are, the more other clubs will be interested in him. Um, but if yeah, if it's up to Unai Emery and Aston Villa, you get to say who's the next guy to sign a new contract. It'll be Ollie Watkins, and and yeah, negotiations will probably yeah will continue. Okay, well, we'll call it there. Thank you very much for joining me this morning, Jacob. I know you're you're very tired after your after your travels. <laughs> not going to not going to do score predictions anymore because obviously I usually <laughs> predict Villa to win, and then people come on afterwards mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, it's your fault because you said Villa were going to win," and they <laughs> and they didn't. My my predictions have no influence on the on the outcome of the game, but I'm just not going to do them. Anyone, I'm never going to say the terms. I fancy Villa because every time I say I fancy us, we, we haven't won this. You season. do though. You I'm do not, though. I can tell. No, no, I don't. I think we're going to. I honestly think we're going to lose five 0 That's honestly what I think is going to happen this week, Kenzie. So, thanks very much for joining me today, Jacob. Thanks to those in the in the chat as well. I've tried to involve you as much as possible. There was much more of you in there than I expected there would be at nine thirty in the morning. Greg and myself will be back on either Sunday or Monday, which is depending on Greg's partner's wife is about to have a baby. So at any point, Greg might not be able to do our our usual hour show. So, Jacob, I might be drafting you in for that as well if if, if Greg's wife begins to give birth and he can't can't come. So, yeah, we'll do do that on a Sunday or Monday. So watch out for that. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football that is on today. I know I'm going to and up the villa. Podcast Network.